From in-depth analysis of basketball and football to life advice, Ryan Russillo has got you covered on the Ryan Russillo podcast. Join him as he talks to some of the best names in sports while providing sharp analysis and wit you won't find elsewhere. Check out the Ryan Russillo podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help. Dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. baby it's a bonus edition of new york new york via locker room right here on the ringer podcast network we had a ton of fun right after the game rocking and rolling cooking on the app tons of calls fantasy and simmons checked in and yeah i'm giddy the knicks won a playoff game a playoff game in which they were down big down double digits looked dead to rights for two and a half quarters. I'm sure a whole lot of Knicks fans were waving the white flag. And all of a sudden, something changed midway through the third quarter. You know, when I think about why the Knicks won this game, the first reason to me that is just obvious, it's Derrick Rose. Because the Knicks could have been down by 20 plus points. Derrick Rose kept the Knicks afloat. He kept the team in the game, made plays, got buckets, made things happen, which allowed the run in the third quarter to take place. Toppin making plays. He was incredible off the bench. Obi Toppin's last two games are probably his best two games I've seen him in a Nick uniform. First round pick, basically hurt all year. You weren't Halliburton. Didn't play much because of the emergence of Julius Randle. Well, he's played a lot more in this series. He's given the team quality minutes. Knicks don't win this game tonight without Obi Toppin. I can't believe I'm saying it. They do not win this game without Obi Toppin. And then there's Reggie Bullock. Because in the fourth quarter, much like Alec Burks in game one in a losing effort, but in this game in particular, you needed somebody to bring you home. Randle got better as the game went on. Barrett really didn't give you much in the second half. Got off to a good start and then kind of cooled off. Bullock was the guy that was rocking. Bullock hit big threes, got physical with Trey Young, and kind of brought you home in those final couple minutes of the game. Now, McMillan keeping Trey Young on the bench. I have no idea what he was thinking on that. A little too long if you ask me. You have Trey Young, you could go for the jugular. How is he sitting for that amount of time? Puzzling. Very, very puzzling. But if you're the Knicks, you'll take it. You need Randall to be better. 
you hope that the second half is really going to get him going. They're going to need him. Next going to win this series is going to be defense and the reemergence of Julius Randle. But 1-1 sounds a heck of a lot better than 0-2. So you'll get a chance to hear what was really a badass time on Locker Room. Simmons and Fantasy checked in. Calls. Now, we're going to work on me actually being able to take them myself, but it was fun. It was wild. It was chaotic. It felt like the old days. All that is coming up next. Bonus edition. New York, New York. Right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. Bill from Los Angeles was the kiss of death for the Atlanta Hawks tonight. So, thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. I know New York City appreciates the mush. Thank you, bud. Well, I didn't have as much as Nate McMillan had on the Knicks, apparently. Well, what bothered you to no end? The idea of having Trey Young on a bench for the final, you know, like six, seven minutes of that Knicks run? My goodness. Well, here's the thing. No Trey Young. Trey Young has to play like 44 minutes in this game. But the other thing, you have to know how to use your timeouts when you're playing in a place like MSG. There's, there's like three arenas where the crowd can swing the game. MSG is one of the three. And the, what, like after that, Top and alley oop at the beginning of the, of the fourth quarter, I think, or the end of the third quarter. You know, you just felt like the crowd was taking over the game, and I think the really, the really savvy coaches in those situations—they're just taking the crowd out. Twenty-second timeout, timeout here. Don't let the crowd get like that. Once the crowd got like that, it was done. None of those, nobody in the Hawks could make a shot. What for the last quarter and a half of the game? Once the crowd got into it, and they took out Trey. And they had no plan B. And I just thought it was really sloppy. Like the Hawks could have put that series away the way Randall was playing. I don't disagree with that. And I don't know if you feel this way. To me, the Knicks won this game because Rose kept them in it for two and a half quarters built. They did absolutely nothing on offense. They were an absolute mess. Randall looked as bad, if not worse, than what he did in game one. And if Rose doesn't contribute the way he did, getting to the rack, hitting shots, making plays, Bill, they're down 20 plus points in this game. They don't win this game without Derrick Rose. Yeah, and it was hitting the point where it seemed like they were going to lose, and it seemed like Randall, like they were going to have to send him to Confidence Rehab Clinic after the season or something. He had a look on his face in the third quarter. You know what I'm talking about? Like halfway through, it was like, oh, my God, this guy's actually like legit melting down. But something happened. Jacoby had a, tw- had a tweet. He, he made a joke about how they, they basically uh, turned off Randall and turned him back on to get him going. Like he was a computer, and it was kind of that's what it seemed like. They had to restart, like kind of like I had to do with the locker room app, to be honest. With you. I had to restart the bad boy, basically. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so Randall got going a little bit, and I, I, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna beat the Hawks if he's gonna be horrific. So he got going a little bit and set up that end of the third quarter, which is when they won the game with all the young guys and the fact that, you know, Toppin made the play of the game. I thought he had a block. And I rewound it to it to make sure I saw what I saw. It was near the end of the third. He had that block, but then he busted his ass to get down for the alley oop. Like he outran everyone in the court. And to me, it's like this is why Toppin can't be written off yet. Well, and he's a baby. That's the thing. Yeah, he's a kid. He's a baby, and you know he probably thought going into this year, Bill, he was going to play a lot more than he did. But Randall is this revelation. You know, he's a top five, top ten MVP candidate. And Tibbs is going to ride guys that he can count on. So somebody like Toppin maybe didn't get the opportunity that he maybe thought he was going to get going into the year. And I'm so happy for him, dude, because he's been getting roasted in town. People have been calling him a stiff, a bust, you name it. And to see him go in two playoff games and give him good minutes. I mean, listen, you need that. Atlanta, 
is a better team than the Knicks. I heard you talk about this in your podcast on Sunday. Talent-wise, they are a more talented team. So you're going to need guys to come out of nowhere, step up, if you're going to have some moments. Well, Atlanta's a young team. The crowd got to them. There's no question. And Trey, who I think is, I think he's gone up a level. I think he's been really good. But, you know, that the defenses they were throwing at him, all the adjustments Tibbs made at halftime and the stuff that they were doing to Trey in the second half, which is mirrored a little bit like how people have been guarding Steph Curry and whoever. Um, it was just really smart. And Trey, that's a different level than anything he's seen at any point in his NBA career, right? Where he's 30 feet from the basket and there's two guys jumping out. There's people hedging. There's people coming at him. And they basically made him give up the ball. And who on the Hawks... Stepped up. Nobody. Hunter looked terrified. Bogdanovich missed every shot he took. Well, in game one, Bogdanovich hit every shot known to man. So but th- this was their big game guy who's been in all these overseas games. And this was this is why they got him because and he just couldn't make a shot. So I thought, uh, you know, I thought Tibbs just completely outcoached McMillan. And then they they made the mistake of just keeping Trey out too long because when he was in the game, you have to treat him almost like he's Curry. That's how they were treating him in the second half. Well, and that's the key for the Knicks. When he's out of the game, you got to go on runs. There's no other way around it because when he is in there, even in game two, Bill, they didn't have an answer for uh, they didn't have an answer for Young. I mean, he got into the right, getting into the racket well. He's still, you know, doing whatever the hell he wants to do. At least they tried to take away his strong hand. I noticed that on a couple of different occasions. They're trying to make him go to his left. Young is playing out of his mind. So, you know, when he's out of the game, you better go outscore Atlanta by 7, 8, 9, 10 points, whatever the case may be. Here's the problem, though, JJ. I'm not sure Trey's playing out of his mind. I think this might be who he is. is, Did you ever, let me ask you this. Did you ever think watching him at Oklahoma that he would be this sort of NBA player? I thought he was the best college point guard I ever saw. Really? Wow. Really liked him. At the same time, thought it was absurd that they didn't take Luka Doncic. Um, just the fact that he was the best college point guard I ever saw, that doesn't mean he's going to be a great NBA point guard. I just saw for college, he was doing stuff I just hadn't seen at that level. Um, but you know what, what we saw from him the first year and a half, they really enabled some bad habits with him. And Russell and I would talk about all the time on our pod, like, you know, you, you're basically trying to get stats with somebody over teaching them how to win. I think what's changed once McMillan got there was, he really has gone up a level with how to be a team first. You know, just get other guys involved. Take what happens. Don't take the 35-footers and the 30-footers and the stuff that's going to get you on TikTok, but just try to make winning plays. And I think he's been really good. His teammates let him down today. What What were they – what do you think they were, like, for the last quarter and half of the game, field goal-wise? You think they shot, like, 25%? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think they shot, what, 36%, 37% for the game, and it felt like they hit all their shots in the first two and a half quarters. I would say probably under 30%. I think that's fair. And thank God they won this game, Bill, because the idea of them going back to Atlanta down 0-2, I don't care if, you know, you win a game, you come back, it's 3-1. You needed to have a moment – at Madison Square Garden where that crowd erupted and was a part of something special and was a part of a win. And it felt like in game one, they were feeding off the crowd, but they were a little uneasy by the crowd maybe in those first couple minutes. That crowd willed them late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, and I think they should have won game one. This one-to-one feels like the right score for the series. And I think both teams can look at this and go, 
man, we blew, we blew some real, we blew a really good chance to be up two nothing. Both teams could say that the Knicks blew it because they just kind of fell apart in that last four minutes and lost themselves. Um, from a discipline standpoint, defensively, they made it too easy for Trey. You know, they had the whole, they basically had two, they knew they were going to play the Hawks for what, two weeks basically. But I think game one, they just didn't, didn't have a reasonable defensive game plan against Trey. And I think this game they did. Did I lose Simmons? I think I lost Simmons. See, this is what happens, folks. You have Simmons in here. He's got a bad connection. I'm going to have to get him back on the horn. You know who I am going to go to right now? He is fired up. The great Sean Fantasy. Fantasy! What's up, brother? We did it! There's a little extra giddiness, a little extra pep in your step. I love it, dude. Uh, are you with me? Derek Rose won them this game with what he did in the first two and a half quarters? He was unbelievable. I heard what you said. He absolutely kept them afloat while Randall was struggling and, and still continues to struggle, even though we turned it around a little bit in the second half. I still was kind of mortified by what I was seeing. The only other thing, and I don't know if you guys mentioned this, I might have come in late. Big key to this game, Reggie Bullock playing 31 minutes after only 19 minutes in the last game. I feel like that was a big part of it. Fantasy, say hello to Bill Simmons, who is on the line. We got you back, Bill. Is Knicks Hawks your favorite first round series? Be honest. No, they, they, nothing is more fun than, than Clips Maps. Ah, because you like the idea of the Clips imploding. Okay, fair enough. The, the fact that they wanted to play the Mavs and it all fell apart. I think Knicks Hawks, the rejuvenation of the MSG crowd is the single best subplot other than the Clippers thing. I got to ask Sean though, when Toppin had the block followed by the alley-oop, did what happened? Did you black out? Like, what was your reaction to that? Uh, I definitely uh, fell off the couch when he went up for the alley-oop. And then I watched the replay of Breen and Clyde with that call. I don't know how many people were watching the MSG feed of that. I was. I was dialed in MSG. JJ, how great was that? The the cut. Well, I mean, it's long overdue to have those two guys, Fantasy, finally doing playoff games. I mean, they have found a way to keep Nick games entertaining over the last eight or nine years when they've been 20 and 55 or 20 and 62 basically every single year. And Breen does the finals. I get it. He gets a ton of good games to call. But they deserve that fantasy. They deserve it. Breen had a pep in his step tonight. You could tell he was fired up, especially during the comeback. Those guys were gliding. They're waiters at a restaurant, right? And they're serving the crappiest food possible for eight years. And then all of a sudden, David Chang's in the kitchen cooking for everybody. And they're like, hey, who, who wants a, some prime rib? Who wants a prize? Like they, they, you just have to be so giddy to have a good crowd again. Oh, for sure. I know, and you're giddy, and you're fired up, because it's more fun. The NBA is more fun, Bill, when the Knicks are relevant, and when the Knicks are cooking, and they're rocking. And there's a buzz around the city. You go around the city, you guys aren't here. When you walk, get coffee, Knicks. Everybody walking the streets, Knicks. There is a buzz that I haven't felt with the franchise. Fantasy, I think there's even more of a buzz for this team than there was for the Carmelo teams, because this team's a heck of a lot more likable. No question. Like, a way more of an underdog feeling with these guys. Also, like, just this much scrappier team, much more feels like in the spirit of the city, the way that Tibbs is coaching them. I don't know. I'm obviously not in New York. I really – I there's no place I would have wanted to be more tonight than at MSG, though. It just sounded insane on TV. Yeah, I'm annoyed I haven't been to a game yet, to be honest with you. I'm dropping a ball there. I got to get on that. JJ, I, I have a topic. Can – can we get Spike Lee like better sneakers or like <laughs> how to 
watching him react to some of these alley-oops where he can't even get an inch off the ground and it looks like he's going to, it's like watching, I don't know, Woody Allen or somebody in their eighties trying to react like spike. You knew the playoffs were coming. You couldn't have gotten it in a little bit better shape. You couldn't have done some yoga before the games. What are, with these reactions are just awful. Well, and you can't even see half the stuff that's going on because he has the mask that is basically covering like three quarters of his face. You know, like that's the thing. Like he doesn't have the mask that just covers the nose and the face. The eye expressions are off. Yeah, it's not it's not vintage spike in 94, Bill. And remember, it's been a while for him watching playoff games too. So maybe maybe he's thrown off a little bit too. Yeah, the 94 Knicks have all gotten old athletically. Like, you wouldn't want to see them play basketball. It, maybe it's the same thing for Spike's sideline reactions. Maybe he just needs to have a seat. I don't know. I don't know how he fixes it. Did you guys happen to catch my favorite sideline interaction of the game when uh, Trey Young was inbounding the ball and 50 Cent had a little something to say to him and we couldn't see what it you was? You know, I, did, I didn't see on. that. I saw a bunch of people giving him shit. I didn't notice that that was Fiddy. Did you see Sting, by the way, in the crowd? Sting was at the game. They were sitting next to each other. It just goes to show you where my head is at. I see Sting. I'm like lighting up like it's 1985, even though I was born in 1988 for what it's worth. Just saying. Sean, I know you can't stand Trey Young. Um, did, how much did you enjoy the Trey's balding chant when he was at the free throw line? Did you just talk about, talk about going for the jugular? <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I honestly prefer something much more straightforward. And it seemed like in the second half, the, the fans had just arrived at fuck Trey Young as the, the go-to chant. They had abandoned the balding thing. And it sounded like MSG was trying to pipe in music. So that you couldn't hear too much of that chant. It was getting so loud. They didn't want it to show up on the broadcast. So, like, that's how crazy MSG is right now. It is louder, I think, than at any point going all the way back to 99, the year they made the finals. Like, I don't remember it being that crazy 2011, 2012, 2013. Even the Amari year in 2010, guys. Because Linsanity, a lot of those games, it felt like they were on the road. Like, when I think about the Linsanity run, it's regular season, so it's impossible to compare. Like, that Toronto game is the epic one. I was at the Laker game. I was at the Laker game, Bill. Not rocking like this, bro. Not not rocking like... I'm telling you. And I, maybe it's because I'm here watching the apartment as opposed to, you know, being in the building. I was at the Lynn Laker game, which is crazy to think about. I went to that game. It was rocking, don't get me wrong, but not to this extreme. This is like a college crowd, Bill. You got people even in the uh, the courtside seats. They're standing for four quarters, hooting and hollering like crazy. Yeah, but this is—it's the classic. It's been so long. You're talking people bringing their kids who were six years old the last time the Knicks were even decent, and now they're in high school, and they don't even know what a playoff game feels like, you know. And I think when there's that kind of energy, when you don't, you have basically almost a decade. And as Sean said, the 2013 Knicks, even though they had a run there. Um, Especially they, you know, they they won like fifty five games, but the playoff version of that team was not very fun. Well, because Kid was shot. Kid was totally shot. They relied on him so much that year. Your boy Wallace gave him really good minutes, and that was when Miami had that crazy winning streak, if I'm not mistaken. So I think everybody kind of knew Miami was going to represent the Eastern Conference, and even if the Knicks got by Indiana. They were not beating LeBron in the heat. No way. I was doing countdown that year. And obviously they're just lead. They're forcing us to lead with the Knicks and Lakers every, every show. And it would always be like, could the Knicks potentially beat this Miami team? And they want us to like have a little argument about it. It would just get to me. And I'd be like, no, 
They're definitely not beating Miami. <laughs> it's never happening. Look at you being the buzzkill, the killjoy. I mean, you are wrong, but classic Simmons, classic killjoy. It's never happening. They're never beating them. This Knicks team, you know, you could beat the Hawks potentially, and then you have Philly, and who knows? Philly's a Philly's a really weird team. You know, they they're beat they beat up Washington tonight, but it's also a team where all of a sudden nobody on the team can score except in beats. By the way, guys, plus one ninety five after game one. I bet that series line. What do you think, Bill? Fantasy. Hawks minus one twenty five, one thirty. That's your area of expertise, man. That's I mean, that sounds right. I I've, I already have uh, Atlanta friends in my in my text right now telling me the trade's going for fifty. So Oh, great. They're already talking shit. They're already getting you ready. You can't even enjoy tonight. They're already trying to get in your ear for Friday. That's wonderful. Right, listen, I wanted to, I told you, I told the two of you in a group chat that I'm betting them to win in six. And I, I almost did it plus 500. I almost did. I just took them to win the series instead. Yeah, I thought about it. Atlanta's going to be equally uh, rowdy. See, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Bill. Because I think you'll have 20% of that building is Nick fans. Nick fans will make that trip down there. They always do. They always make that trip down to Atlanta. It's an easy one. That's interesting. Well, my, my counter would be, I think Trey Young, I think the, the Atlanta fans really love him. He's the, first, he's the first hawk of, you know, really since Dominique that I think has resonated. You know, they, this is a franchise that was rooting for like Joe Johnson and Paul Millsap and, you know, those kind of guys. So Trey's like young, he's fun, he's exciting, and I think they're all in. So it'll be good crowds. It's not going to be easy for the Knicks. They need, I, obviously, Randall needs to show up in this series. Fantasy, I'm signing right now. 2-2 going back to Madison Square Garden. Right here, right now. Give me 2-2. Do it. I would take it in a heartbeat. I will say the Hawks have so much offensive firepower that when they're rolling downhill, when they have a crowd that's into it, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little scared of that, honestly. You guys are afraid of the Atlanta crowd. I'm I'm very surprised by this. I'm afraid of Trey Young. I am not afraid of that building. Not in the least. Guys like Bogdanovich and Herter and especially Hunter at the end of that game today were obviously so shook by MSG. They were just they 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 couldn't even hear themselves. And that was part of why they had whatever they missed 16 of their final 18 shots, something like that. In Atlanta, it's a different story. They're just going to be much more comfortable. So I'm, I'm genuinely nervous. And also, the Knicks, as, as beautiful as Rose was, one of the reasons why Trey can get any shot he wants is because they don't really have an answer for Trey defensively unless they put Bullock on him more, which I really hope they do. Well, I want to see more of that. That, to me, was a big key in the fourth quarter, aside from the fact that Trey Young didn't play a whole lot in the fourth quarter. Bullock gave him great minutes. Great minutes. He was 5-8, 4-7 from three, and he banged a ton of threes for them down the stretch. Need that in the playoffs. You're going to win playoff games. Guys got to come out of nowhere and contribute. It's just the way it goes. And that, that's what's happened with them all year. It's always been two guys every game. You never knew which two it was going to be, but it would be two. But then, you know, the X factor was Randall was so reliable. I do feel like Atlanta's done a nice job with how they're, they're just kind of ready for all the little tricks. Maybe it's easier to play Randall when you get to keep playing them over and over again over the course of two weeks. But they just seem like they know everything he's going to do, and I think he's had trouble adjusting to it. And I don't like the look on his face, just for the record. They need to send him to, like, it, just don't look as tense, Julius. Have some fun with it. You got this awesome crowd. Enjoy yourself. Well, and I thought he would be a guy that would feed off the crowd, by the way, guys. He, all year... Was like even when there were five thousand people in the building, it felt like he was feeding off that sort of stuff. So uh, it's weird. It's very, very weird. 
Rose was interviewed after the game by the TNT guys, and he said that it, it, he literally said it was not until the end of the game when it felt like Randall was kind of getting his sea legs, that this was his first series, that he wasn't really sure that there was a lot of apprehension in the way that he was playing and that he seems comfortable now. So I hope that's true. Um, I have a, I have a weird feeling whether they win or lose. I have a weird feeling he's going to have a vintage Randall game in the next one, though. Well, sign me up for Friday night then when we do this again, because I'm doing these now after every single game. I mean, this is like going to be my good luck routine, you know, to compliment New York, New York guys. We're rocking our locker room. And, uh, you know, life is good right now when the New York Knickerbockers are in the playoffs. I, I honestly don't know how to deal with fantasy. It's weird. You know, it really is weird. JJ, who had a bigger deer in the headlights in these first two games, fantasy or Julius Randle? I think <laughs> we had... We had fantasy on my podcast on Sunday night, and he had the same look that Randall had on his face. <laughs> oh, is that so? Unfortunately, that's just what my face looks like. See, I think that's more stoic fantasy than anything else. Bill, you know Sean a lot better than I do, but I kind of get the sense that you're – now. even though you're not a California guy fantasy, I feel like you have adopted the cool, calm, collected mentality that some have out there that I most certainly do not. It, it's what I try to project, but Bill knows deep down I just got a lot of nerves, you know, a lot of – a lot of fears, especially when it comes to the Knicks. So I'm just enjoying tonight. Let's not talk about my yeah. pain. This, this is wonderful. He's from a, a family of Irish police enforcement. Who Like all the people, it's just, it's a very on-edge fam. We'll yeah. Put, we'll leave it like that. Cops, teachers, I like firemen, that. you know? JJ, is there any other hawk that you've worked up antipathy for, or is it just Trey Young? Wow, that's a good question. Question. See, See, I, I like, like Dallin Ory because he played with, with the Knicks for years. He's, he's a likable dude. dude. I, I can't, can't stand DeAndre Hunter. Hunter. And yeah, it has same. nothing to do with him being an Atlanta, Atlanta Hawk. Hawk. I hated Virginia when they would, would go up against Syracuse in the ACC. ACC. And I can't stand that Virginia program. They're boring. They're impossible to watch. That team makes me cringe. So he was their star when they won a title a couple of years ago. So I, Simmons, by default, I would say it's probably DeAndre Hunter. That's a weird one. I, he, did, he did a lot I would of say crying. Capella too. has always kind of bothered me. Mm. Yeah, Capella has always bothered me. Um, Gallinari's Mohawk is just. I don't know what he's. I don't know if it's like a Travis Bickle homage or whatever, but he just looks ridiculous. Like. As a half Italian, um, I take some pride in our Italian NBA players. I just don't approve of that look at all. And not- but I feel like he looks the same, though. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Fantasy. I think he looks exactly the same as he did 12 years ago. He's still got that baby face. Hey, uh, yeah, he's not quite as nimble as he used to be, though. <laughs> well, listen, the body, I, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I'm talking about just facially. I feel like his face looks exactly the same. Hey, Do you remember what? Don't make a hair choice in the playoffs that my 13-year-old son would think is cool. Don't, just but don't. You know- but you, do you remember what his nickname was when he first came into the league? JJ, you must remember this, what they called him. What? What? It was so, was it, oh, geez. No, I don't. He was the rooster. I don't remember that sticking. Did that actually stick, Fantasy? The rooster? I don't remember that. Yeah, look it up. And he has a rooster's haircut now. The mohawk, he looks like a freaking rooster. Yeah, I could see that. JJ, I think we have the ringer record for locker room. We're at almost 800 right now. It's pretty good. Wow. See, my app is all sorts of fugazi right now. I love the locker room, folks, for what it's worth. But I see 20 in the room. So, you know, like I, I you know, who, who knows? You were out for forever. You know, we're working the kinks out. But I know it works. So that's half the battle. And thank you, you guys. You guys surprising me and joining me tonight. I did not expect that, by the way. I thought I was going to be running solo. 
listen, if the Knicks had lost, I guarantee Fantasy would not have joined us and probably wouldn't, <laughs> no, have, I, I would agree wouldn't have joined any conversation for the rest of the night. Yeah, I was I, I was excited to talk about the game, though, because I, I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the strategy and, and Nate McMillan's standpoint, the lack of strategy. I thought the crowd was amazing. And, you know, it's funny. They showed that LeBron tweet where it was like, oh, my God, he did the hockey sticks, whatever it was. And this was one of the reasons we were so upset at LeBron in 2010. This could have been his. This could have been his. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me tell you something, Simmons. There are a lot of players watching this right now. If you're thinking about your future and you're thinking about where you want to play basketball next year and a year after that, and I don't want to be one of these New York homers saying, oh, how can you not want to play here? It's the best. I know they've stunk for 20 years. But seriously, Simmons, how do you not want to play here? Well, I hope for your sake there was a certain guy watching it in the San Diego area who's down 0-2. Oh, he'd look good. What do you think about that fantasy? The claw. I get the Toy Story socks. I'll go game one, Simmons. I'm sitting courtside. Game one, I'm going to wear the, the, the alien shirt from Toy Story. I don't know if you, your kids made you watch Toy Story back in the day, but I'm going to be screaming, the claw, the claw. All damn game if Leonard's wearing a Nick uniform. I'll get all sorts of crazy. Yeah, start working Uncle Dennis. <laughs> start, start, start getting him going. Hey, That's the key. I'll Just convince him on New York. Tell him it's not global warming. It's not. No, I mean, listen, it's disgustingly hot here for like the last week, by the way. No spring anymore in New York. It goes literally right from winter to summer. That's the way it rolls around here. Sorry, JJ, guys. do you think they uh, they told... The camera, the the TNT, no James Dolan shots tonight? Because I don't remember seeing him once. So I flip, mostly watched on MSG, but I like to get a sense for what's going on with the national broadcast, so I watch for a few minutes from time to time. I don't know if it was on TNT or MSG. They showed a zoomed-out angle of Dolan. And I heard a story today about Dolan on the golf course that when he plays golf, Gold drivers. I mean, can you be any more douchey than that? To go to the golf course and have a gold driver? Probably hits it 50 yards like I do for that matter. But, you know, I, I, I heard that today. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is why the Knicks haven't been good for 20 years. You understand why? Dude funded his own jazz band. I, the gold drivers doesn't surprise me or phase me in the least. Sounds, sounds in character. $20,000, by the way. Somebody just confirmed that for me. They're listening. They're dialed in. The great Dave Polchinski. $20,000. You know what's great about the Knicks is there was this Chris Paul looming possibility, but he got hurt again. And now it's like, all right, would you really want to pay him $40 million? He gets hurt basically every playoffs. But now this Kawhi possibility. And if they got swept, it just the, the doors that open combined with like how great these crowds have been, if you can somehow get by Atlanta – I feel like the Kawhi train would be would be rolling. I know but fantasy's wait, here for it. I know. Wait, I know. He, I know he, wait, Bill, really quickly though, how are we gonna make room for Kawhi when Obi Toppin is here? I feel like the Obi Toppin Assance is happening. The Toppin Assance, like, come on, this is he's got to get 30, 30 minutes a game next season. Here's what's gonna happen with the Toppin Assance. The Toppin Assance, um, they're cutting the highlight film right now to send to the other twenty nine GMs. <laughs> <laughs> that hat loop, it's going to be from three different angles as they mail it to the Cleveland Cavaliers trying to rope them. Into- We're sending it to Portland. Let's send it to Portland. Start talking Lillard, please. Top in for Devin Booker straight up. Who says no, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> 
The Kardashians? No, they would say yes. They'd be like, please, send Devin to New York. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right, I'm, I'm going to jet, guys. Thank you. Yeah, guys I'm going to jet, too. JJ, take your calls. Congratulations, Knicks fans. Well, and you better be back on Friday or whenever the Knicks win a series, Simmons. You better not run and hide on me. I'll come okay. back. I had fun. It's good talking to you. All right. Later, Bye, guys. guys. Bye, See you guys. All right, Simmons and Fantasy are gone. It took me forever, by the way, to remove them. They became like hosts or whatever, and uh, I think it put me in a position where I couldn't even take calls where somebody had to do it for me. One of the guys over at Locker Room ended up being the MVP of the night, stepping in, coming through in the clutch. But live reaction from you. How great was that for an hour? Felt like we were rocking and rolling. We got a ton of calls. Nick reaction. They're coming up next. The great Andrew. I'm in. JJ, you can hear me? I got you, bro. How we doing, man? What do you got? I'm good. So I got to tell you, I mean, it's hard to find negatives when the garden's that electric and, and the game is electric like that. But can you please, for the love of all things holy, can you explain to me what Thibodeau's infatuation is with starting Alfred Payton? I mean, once he takes him out, he never sees the floor again. So why is he even starting the game? Because when he goes in there, there is no tempo on offense. He takes the full eight seconds to get the ball across half court. He takes another eight seconds just dribbling out the clock on the wing. And then he passes the ball to someone for a low percentage shot as the shot clock expires. And I think that's contributed to these slow starts offensively in these first two games. I don't see any positives that Peyton brings to the floor when he's in there. So I don't know why Thibodeau is so infatuated with him. Yeah, it's puzzling that he's starting games. I go back to what you saw with Syracuse, though, for years with Beheim. He'll start a guy for two or three minutes, pull him out of the game. My bigger issue, Andrew, is in the second half of these games, and we saw that in game one. Peyton was on the court, gave him absolutely nothing, and you were in a position where it's like, well, why did you put him back into the ball game? I give Tibbs credit for this. I don't know if you noticed this in game two. They started Peyton. He was awful. Shocker. But when the third quarter rolled around and the Knicks were down double digits and they were in a desperate situation, who started the second half, Andrew? Exactly. And that, to me, is what you got to pay attention to. Bingo. Don't lose too much sleep in the idea of who's starting. Because at this point, there are dynamics in play that uh, are beyond, you know? Like the idea of your locker room, your team, your flow, your mojo, whatever. But it can't be more than three or four minutes that I'm seeing Alfred Payton on the court. In fact, tonight, Alfred Payton played all of five minutes. If he's going to start five minutes, so be it. I'm not, let's put it this way, Andrew. I'm not losing any sleep over it. No, I feel that. I feel that. And the last thing I wanted to say is I know that Randall has played relatively poor in these first two games. But I got to tell you, I'm on the same boat as Fantasy thinking he's going to have a vintage Randall game. Because even though the, the shooting percentage wasn't high, if you remember correctly, that six, seven-minute stretch in the third quarter when they really started gaining momentum and closing the gap, he hit a couple of big shots. He had a couple of big defensive possessions, and he started gaining some of that confidence. So I'm, I'm thinking he's going to turn it around in this series. And it's it's pretty it, – there's a reason to have confidence being that he hasn't played great and the Knicks still found a way to win. So if he gets excellent things going, I, I, I think they're going to win this series. I do. Andrew, excellent, excellent point. Appreciate it, my man. And – he seemed to let the game come a lot more to him in a comfort standpoint, comfort sense, final quarter and a half. I mean, you're going to look at the stat line. It's ugly. He was 5 of 16 from the field. He's 15 and 12. But 
he got far more comfortable as the game went along, and they're going to need Julius Randle. Make no mistake. And I couldn't have been more wrong. I thought he was going to have a monster game too. Didn't happen. The fact that the Knicks won this game and they didn't get a monster game out of Randle, I think is a really, really good sign. All right, Ethan, who's up next? Next up is Nico. Nico, you're live. Nico. Hey, can you guys hear me over here? I got you, baby. How we doing? How we living? We're doing good, JJ. It's Nico from the Bay Area over here. Hey, um, obviously, it's so great to tie up the series. And, you know, I think when we look at this playoff series so far, although we've had those Randall struggles, the big thing that's been showing up right now is these rookies. I mean, when you look at game one, IQ was not afraid of the moment. Right. And you look at game two, I think the biggest moment of that game, and I believe we, uh, you guys talked about it earlier, was that block by Obi Toppin going into the alley-oop. I mean, when we've given these rookies these minutes, they have showed up every single second of the time. And, you know, I, going into the series, you know, I don't think anybody expected, hey, you know, the rookies minutes are going to be the biggest parts of these games. But they have really shown out. And it's been really great to see when you look beyond this series into the future of the team. Nico, excellent point. Excellent, excellent point. And, you know, you think about this year. Randall, obviously, is the headliner. Barrett, going from year one to year two, has made a world of difference. But the fact that you've had Emmanuel quickly playing the way that he has, making the sort of big plays that he has throughout the course of the year, great, great sign. He's a guy, to me, that has combo guard off the bench, instant offense off the bench, written all over him. I don't know if we're ever going to live in a world where Emmanuel quickly is like an elite guard in the NBA, but I watched Lou Williams for the Atlanta Hawks. Don't you see the comparison in some way to what Lou Williams can bring to a team and what Emmanuel quickly brings to a team? 100%. I mean, and you look at too when they played uh, back when back when he was on when Lou was on the Clippers and IQ came up and talked to him and was like, hey man, you're my inspiration. You were like a huge hero for me. Like, you know, IQ's been that Lou Williams type player, uh, you know, off the bench. He, he has different, you know, he has a, di- a little bit of a different play style. Obviously, he's uh, more talented from the three-point range. And I mean, when you look at him pull up from 30 feet, especially in game one, um, but he's definitely that type of Lou Williams player. And for the Knicks, I mean, that's the type of guy we need, right? No doubt. And they've needed a guard. And I appreciate it, Nico, in the absolute worst way for a long, long time. A long, long time they've needed help at the guard position. Quickly, let's be honest, a lot of people criticized the pick when they made it. A lot of people made the argument, he's too old. They wanted somebody else. Now, the Halliburton-Toppin argument in that debate, that's a different story. Quickly was not a pick that was beloved in any way. Let's be honest. And he's been a godsend for this team. All right, Nico, appreciate it. Who's up next? Who do we got? We're giving Russ Heltman a shot of redemption. Russ, you there this time? Hey, can you guys hear me? There we go, Russ. That's what's up. What's going on, man? John, I just wanted to know, do you you see anybody that could be able to consistently shut down Trey Young over the course of these next two home games in crunch time? We know you – I think the Knicks and Tibbs can can draw up that – that solid game plan across a whole game team defensively. But I feel like over the course of the rest of the series and at home, Trey Young's probably going to end up balling out. And in crunch time, it's it's going to come down to those those obvious crucial possessions and mano-a-mano. 
it, it'll be very interesting to see. That's the kind of, that's the biggest thing I'm I'm looking at the rest of the series and Julius Randle. Like I, I I'm with everybody with the sentiments they've said so far. It, it feels like he's got to explode at some point, and it's got to feel good at least a little bit for Knicks fans that he hasn't played well and it's it's still tied going. And it's a tied series. Totally agree. And I like the fact that he played better in the second half. I think that's a big sign moving forward going into Atlanta on Friday night. And to answer your question, no. Right now, Russ, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in somebody one-on-one matching up and trying to slow down Trey Young and guard Trey Young. I'll say this, though. I'll say this. I was intrigued by Bullock. And I don't know if Bullock can stick with him the entire game because I think it will exhaust him. I don't think he can do that. But in a crunch time situation, I think he's the guy I want guarding Trey Young at this point. I want to at least try it. I thought they had some sense of success watching game two. So to answer that question, if I had to throw one guy on the Nick roster, matching up with Young as a part of the rotation, as Reggie Bullock sound? That's, I, I kind of agree with that. And he's a guy that all through the season, every time I watch the Knicks, he's hitting huge shots. He's getting down into a solid defensive stance. He's playing pretty pretty good on that end of the floor. And he's also in a contract year. He's a veteran guy. He's been a part. He's been all over the league. I think, yeah, I, I think he's he's probably your he's probably going to be the honestly the best option there. But it's it's mostly going to be that team effort. Last one for me, and then I'll get out of here. Is uh, when you were looking at the rest of the series and these next two games in Atlanta, what what do you think is the biggest key uh, defensively, or not defensively, offensively for the Knicks, other than Randall getting going? And, and I'm kind of looking at Derrick Rhodes. That floater game, J.J., has been unbelievable. I, I, the way he's gotten to that spot and used that little 5- to 12-foot spot on the court has been crazy to see this year. Uh, it, it's, it's harkening back to those old days. And that, that to me, kind of feels like continuing that would be huge, but... I don't know. It, it, there's, a, there's a lot of different things offensively that I think. Well, think about it, Russ. Good call, man. Appreciate it. Rose has been spectacular in the first two games of this series. Spectacular. And he needs to be. Point blank. They need Derrick Rose playing at a very high level. For me, and I appreciate the call. We'll move on to somebody else. Um, you got it, bro. Anytime. Anytime. If the Knicks are going to win one of these two games. And if they're going to win this series, they got to do a better job with force spacing. Their force spacing has got to be a lot better. And it was in the second half, and it got some open looks. That's partially due to Atlanta's defense, but they got to get some spacing on the floor. All right, Ethan, who's up next? All right, the lines are hot. We've got Logan Canning. Logan. JJ, can you hear me? Logan, I hear you. Loud and clear. How are you down under? Yeah, not going too bad. Well, I've been working, so I didn't get to watch the Knicks game. Oh, you missed out. You missed the gem. You missed the doozy. I did, but I've got a concern. I don't know if Julius will be able to pull off anything in this series. I'm scared that he's just a regular season player. Yeah, I can't go to that extreme. Listen. Is Julius Randle now a legitimate top five or top ten player in the league? I don't care if he's done it for one year. You're not going to put Julius Randle as a top ten player. And let's be honest, Logan, he's not the best player in this series. Trey Young is the best player in this series. I mean, I, I think anybody watching the first two games and anybody who understands the dynamic of the NBA would tell you that Trey Young, whether you like him or not, is the best player in this series. Randall's got to let the game come to him. And he started to do that. You started to see that. That's what you need. It's not going to be just Julius Randall by himself. He's got to be better, Logan, 
But don't think all of a sudden now that you're getting Hakeem Olajuwon in his prime. He is not, you know? Yeah, and what about the Islanders advancing? Oh, stellar. Absolutely, absolutely stellar. Hell of a job by the Islanders. Coming back down two games to one. Appreciate the call, Logan. Job well done. Um, The Islanders, after giving up all those goals to Pittsburgh, needed to bounce back in game four. They did. You win in double overtime. You want to keep the momentum going. They were able to keep the momentum going. Excellent, excellent job by the Islanders. All right, Ethan, who's up next? All right, thanks, Logan. Up next, we got Flavio. Hello, Flavio. How we doing, buddy? Dude, I'm amazing. How are you? Uh, Stellar. The Knicks win a playoff game. Life is good, man. Life is good. I'll, I'll just say right off the bat, I wish, I wish, I wish I was there live. Oh, my goodness. Well, it was rocking. The Gordon has been rocking in a way it hasn't in 20 years. I was talking about this with Simmons in fantasy. Not even Linsanity, not even 2012-2013. This Madison Square Garden over the last two games, it has felt like a raucous college basketball environment. It's the biggest compliment I could give the crowd. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's just been insane watching the two games. I'm just like, man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, but it's okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about – no, you kind of you covered the Julius stuff a little bit because he was concerning me for a while. Last game was tough. And then this game started off real slow, but he kind of picked it up in that third quarter where the game when they kind of uh, just took took off. But man, I, I need to talk about Derrick Rose, man, because I am. I will say I will say this a little bit in my background. I um, I'm, I will say that I hopped on the uh, the Knicks bandwagon again because I love the mellow teams. Because uh, I'm from Chicago, so I'll say that. But. I love the Mellow teams because I love Carmelo. But now, man, I'm back in, baby. They wrote me back in. So, Derrick Rose, I love watching that man years ago. And now I'm just like, man, this is just incredible. Well, think about it. Derrick Rose, his first time with the Knicks, he was this flop. And it wasn't just his fault. You know, he was on a team that had Phil and that dopey triangle. And they were trying to, you know, make chicken uh, salad uh, from you know what it just it, it didn't flow it didn't mesh it was a shit show that's really the nicest way i can put it, it was a total shit show derrick rose got off the island he found his way back to tom thibodeau he bounced around the league and now you're seeing a derrick rose that we have not seen in a long long time he has kind of found his element as a veteran player he's not the mvp he once was but I think he's shown you since he's come to the New York Knicks, he is still a very productive player in this league. And I think for a lot of Knicks fans thinking about this team long-term, I hope he doesn't price himself off the New York Knicks because I think he's valuable for the younger players. I think he's got winning intangibles written all over him. I hope Derrick Rose is on this team next year. I really do. 100%. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking like, man, this has to be my favorite version of him. And I think what's the craziest part is he's, he's just totally like reinventing himself, which is just beautiful. I love it. Ethan, without further ado, who's up next? Up next, we got Jake Mechanic. Jake, what up, buddy? How we doing? How's it going, guys? Can you hear me? I got you, Jake. What's good? Uh, uh, it's all good. I'm a, uh, I'm a Boston transplant currently. Uh, I'm from New York, but I'm surrounded by Celtics and Pats fans, which is a... Uh... Well, I actually think, though, Jake, let's be honest, this is a good time for you to be up in Boston. 
Because if you were up in Boston, I don't know, five years ago, Tom Brady's still winning Super Bowls. The Celtics had just fleeced the Brooklyn Nets. The Red Sox might have won an unexpected World Series. At least now, Brady's in Tampa playing golf with Phil and winning Super Bowls. The Celtics stink, and they're going to get swept by the Nets, and they've been an absolute... Well, see, it might be amazing for you. I I don't feel that way. See, I'm rooting for the Celtics in this series because, listen, I can't stand the Nets. That's really what it comes down to. I don't want the Nets winning. So I I, I don't take the Celtics this year seriously. So it's it's a little different there, you know? As long as I can talk talk shit to my Celtics fan friends. Oh, I understand that. Hey, listen, Jake, I lived my freshman year and sophomore year. Some of my best friends at Syracuse were Boston guys. So that 2007 World Series, the Red Sox fan was just, oh, they were insufferable. And I wasn't even, a, I'm not even a Giant fan. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. But when the Giants knocked off the Pats, I celebrated that Super Bowl not only because I made a few bucks, but because I saw these guys melt down, they're breaking bottles, they're going in their room and throwing little hissy fits. It's the best, exactly. So for you being where you are, yes, enjoy every minute and every element of being able to talk a little bit of shit. I get that, dude. I've just had a question on the game tonight. Um, sure. I think a lot of people are going to try to, uh, they're going to be on Twitter saying that Rose should be starting. But like everybody's been saying, Randall's bound to go off at some point. And I would rather have quickly in the starting five. And then you still have Rose to come in and give the bench a lift. Yeah, and I, I'm going to be honest, Jake. Listen, I think Alfred Payton stinks. I don't want to see him playing much, if not at all. But they have gotten to a certain point with the same starting lineup. I don't think Thibodeau, being as stubborn as he is, is going to mess with anything. And listen, I think the game plan is exactly what you saw tonight. He plays five minutes. He stinks. He comes off the court. Rose goes in, and at the third quarter, yeah, it is. It's dopey. Jake, I don't, th- I, I don't disagree, but I'm just telling you the mindset of a guy like Tom Thibodeau. He is not going to now deviate because you and I are talking about starting quickly. Because I would agree with you on that. I'm not starting Derrick Rose. He is the perfect guy for this team. Coming in, second unit, jump-starting this team and jump-starting this offense. I don't want Derrick Rose starting. If they were going to put somebody in the game to start, it would be quickly. Or even Neil Aquina, just to play a little defense for a couple of minutes on Trey Young. Yeah. Well, we saw that happen in game one. But hopefully with a couple of minutes not coming in cold, they'd actually be able to do something. Yeah. And listen, nobody can stop Trey Young in game one. That's, that's the one misconception. Bullock maybe had a couple of possessions that were decent. And I think I might be overrating them, Jake. And many others might be overrating them because of the fact that they haven't been able to do jack shit against them anyway. So it looks a heck of a lot better, if that makes sense. But that's a guy in crunch time. I was asked that question. Who do you want guarding Young one-on-one? And I thought it was an easy call. End of these games, it's Bullock. If I had to choose one, it's Bullock. Yeah. I'm, I, in an ideal world, I'd, I'd rather have Barrett on him. I think Barrett's just like a, a stronger, like stiffer defender. But then it throws all the other matchups out of whack because Barrett's playing the three. So you can't have him guarding the point guard because then it fucks everything else up. Exactly. Good call, Jake. We're going to take a few more. We're going to do a lot more of these. Guys, I'm telling you, after Nick playoff games, after big events, this was the first one. We've only just begun. So we got a couple more calls coming up. So Ethan, who do we got? Who's up? Young Brian, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? Um, Listen, I think what needs to stop, first of all, is the who's the, who's the superstar we're going to get. 
Um, because let's just focus on this game right now and be thankful that we're tied going to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, but Brian, that's the nature of the NBA, though. I, I, I see your point. You're going to focus on a series. You're going to focus on this game. But you're always going to have that thought in the back of your mind. I mean, if you're thinking about a championship, no? Sure, I just think it's too soon. But what I wanted to really say is, Randall, to me tonight, proved to you that he can he has the superstar gene in you that you need in the NBA. Because when he when his shot was not working today and he wasn't scoring the points, he was able to put the ego aside and get the rebounds for the team, start facilitating the ball, getting his teammates involved. That's what you need from a star player in the NBA if his shot isn't working for that night. Yeah, but you also want him to go and score some points. And thankfully, Brian, in the second half of the game, he was able to do it. He was able to score points. He was able to help the team. And you know what he did? He realized, you know what? I'm going to let the game come to me a little bit more. I, I'm not going to try to just force up a shot. Didn't he look tentative to you in the first half of that game? He looked incredibly tentative in the first half. And in the second half of the game, kind of felt a different flow and a different rhythm to what he was bringing to the table. And I think part of it could actually be like the, the crowd is intimidating. You know, everyone's got a little more juice in them in the city because the Knicks are finally, quote unquote, back. And, you know, he's declared the, the star of this team. He's the guy that everyone's hoping for. He's the guy that everyone's staring at. It's, there's a lot of pressure on him. And this is the first time he's experienced this in his NBA career. Yeah, it's first time in the playoffs. And let's be honest, Brian, go through this team outside of Derrick Rose, outside of Burks, Noel, and yeah, Taj Gibson. The main players on this team, a majority of them, have not played in the postseason. So, yes, I do believe the nerves may have gotten to this team a little bit in game one. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, of course. All right, all right, JJ, see you later. All the love, Brian. That's great. Young Brian checking in. This has been great. You guys are on fire right now. Calls are terrific. I hope this is flowing nicely for everybody. I see some of these comments here in the chat. Yes, you could dream big down the road. I want to win this series, though. That's my goal with the Knicks. Win this series. Anything beyond that is just... Crazy gravy. Crazy gravy. How about this? Let's do three more, Ethan. We're going to do three more. Who do we got? We got Ryan Lederman. Ryan, you're up. Ryan, what up, bud? How we doing? Hey, man. Can you hear me okay? I got you. Oh, man. I'm having a heart attack about beating the Hawks. It was kind of crazy because you think about it, the Hawks are kind of a trash team. But anyways, props to New York. I mean, they went 10 games over 500. I mean, let's not make them out to be the, the, the Celtics who limped into the postseason. Atlanta was playing great basketball for eight weeks. Come on. Defense. I'm not saying they're Milwaukee, Brooklyn, or Philadelphia, but they, I, they're not a trash team when they're 10 games over 500. I, I think that's a bit much, personally. Right. Which goes to, uh, which I think is the right point, was how do you make a team better in the offseason? I don't think it's too early to ask that question. I was talking about in the chat about CP3. He's still performing, but uh, I feel like the Knicks are cursed about signing these old superstars. Uh, do you have any feeling about getting someone that can shoot the ball and play make? Well, I was bringing up the name Lonzo Ball. Appreciate the call. Good stuff there. We'll move on to the next one. Lonzo Ball was a guy that caught my eye. He's young. He's ascending. His three-point shooting has gotten a lot better, but it's a star-driven league. So, uh, of course, you're keeping your eyes on the Kawhi Leonard situation in L.A., the Dame Lillard situation in Portland. Yes, I'm keeping my eyes, ears wide, wide open because those are guys you want. Those are game changers, ultimate game changers. Two to go. All right, Ethan, 
You've been a pro. You got two more left. I promise. Daniel Connolly. Hey, what's up, JJ? Um, absolutely buzzing from the garden right now, but I wanted to ask. Did you go to the game, by the way, or are you just watching on TV? No, I was in 213, row four. It was insane. I can only imagine. Now, if you don't mind me asking, Dan, game, were you at game one as well? I was not. I got game five tickets as well. All right, so when we do this game five locker room, you'll be able to share and give us some details on uh, the ins and outs. But it seemed like, dude, it was an absolute, bro, it seemed like it was an absolute zoo at that place today. I was jealous. Absolutely. The defense chance the entire second half, it was it was nuts. And nobody was sitting. See, that's the, the amazing thing to me. Normally, you got all the suits down in the courtside seats. You know, the first couple of minutes of the game, they're in their seats, they're on their phone, they're sipping their martini or whatever. It felt like the entire crowd for four quarters was like a college atmosphere. Even when the Knicks were down, it felt like they were trying to will them back in the ballgame, if that makes sense. 100% right. And I noticed when I was walking in the building, there were not many suits at all. And I think it's because there's not many corporate people right now with people working from home and stuff like that. So it was a very raucous crowd from the get-go, which was awesome. But I I guess big picture for the series, I mean, coming out of that game, I I really generally have very little respect for the Atlanta fan, uh, Atlanta sports fan generally. I feel very good about our chances to go to Atlanta and kind of assert our presence, think about those games we won in Dallas and Memphis uh, and, and in L.A. against the Clippers and competed against the Lakers during the season on the road. Um, what do you think about our chances, you know, to go to Atlanta and kind of assert our, assert our will in a way, you know, with our defensive style? I feel pretty good about that. I'm just curious about your thoughts there, first of all. Well, I think it's going to be paramount. If they want to come back 2-2, going to a rock and Gordon in game five, they're going to have to steal a game with defense. They're going to have to find a way to slow down Trey Young. Easier said than done. And if they're going to allow Young to go for 35, 40 plus points, then on the flip side, you got to be able to counter the Atlanta three-point shooting. Now, you look at this game tonight, they did a wonderful job on the Atlanta three-point shooting. Bonjanovic was awful. He was 2 of 13. Gallinari was 2 of 13. Hunter was 3 of 8. But I always subscribe to the UB Brown theory. And I learned this a long time ago. One and two. Your two best players, you expect them to play great at home, on the road, whatever, Dan. But players three through eight in your rotation are normally going to play a lot better at home, in their own bed, feeding off the crowd, as opposed to the other way around. So look for Hunter, or look for Banyanovic, or look for uh, whoever, Gallinari, Harder, you name it, to maybe go off in one or two two of these games. That would not shock me in the least. That's what the Knicks, to me, have got to watch. Young is going to get his. Those other guys go, cannot go off. That'll kill you. That'll absolutely kill you. I feel you. Yeah, we're going to need one of those guys to step up. Um, And the other thing, I mean, from a PR standpoint, do you think Tibbs has backed himself into a corner with starting uh, Rose in the second half and Gibson? Uh, I mean, especially Rose over, over Alfred. Um, you think he's going to be able to go back to Alfred in the starting lineup going forward from here? Yeah, that's a good question. Appreciate the call. Excellent, excellent question, Dan. Glad you had a good time at the game. He's going to start Alfred Payton in game three. I'm telling you right now. He's done it all year. I don't see him all of a sudden calling an audible at the line of scrimmage. He is going to start Alfred Payton. Second half, different story. He should not. And I know it's a waste of time. It's dopey, whatever. 
He's going to do it. I'm just telling you point blank, he's going to do it. All right, Ethan, last but not least, who do we got? All right, final call of the night, and you've got a ton in the queue here, so I think uh, I think your future rooms are going to be hot, too. We've got John Corelli. Johnny! Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you, John. I got you, bud. How we, How doing, we doing, man? man? Hey, what's going on, JJ? I just want to start off by saying, uh, you know, as a quick side note, I'm still rocking off that Phil win from Sunday, won some big bucks, so I know you're happy about that, too. Um, and you'll appreciate this, John. John, you'll appreciate this. Took him Friday night, couple of beverages in me, got him at, I think, 10 to 1. I want to say maybe it was 20 to 1. It was a juicy number. The chip in on Sunday was the highlight of the tournament for me, without a doubt. And today, I suck at golf. Anybody who knows me knows I suck at golf. Played Liberty National for the first time. I'm in the fescue, 50 yards out. On hole 11, for those of you who know Liberty National PGA Golf Course, I chip in, I shit you not, from 50 yards out. I put the club up in the air, lefty. It's the only time I can maybe duplicate a Phil Mickelson shot. So in honor of lefty, I chipped in on my first ever trip to Liberty National. Not too bad. Man, that's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, um, I'm going to be honest too. I kind of placed a bet when I had a few beverages in me myself on Thursday. Um, I, I saw him creeping up a little bit, and I'm always big on Phil. He's been my favorite golfer ever since I was born. So I said, you know what, screw it, throw a couple bucks on it, and it turned out well. So it was really awesome. But um, yeah, in regards to the Knicks, um, again, like like everyone's been on this call, like really happy for them. Um, personally, I think this Knicks team can beat anybody in the East on any given day. But I think the problem with this Knicks team is is their bench going to continue to shine the way that they do if RJ and Julius Randle struggle the way that they do? And another point that, you know, kind of fears me about the Knicks is that they'll have a lead at the end of the third quarter or mid-fourth quarter where they'll be up eight, nine points. And then the next thing you know, you look at the score and they're up two. And, and it's 30 seconds after they're up nine. So, I mean, that kind of scares me too. But, you know, on any given day, I think this team could really – beat anybody and you know appreciate you taking the call JJ John appreciate it they're gonna fight they're gonna play hard they're never out of a game you saw that in game two they were playing like crap for two and a half quarters they started spacing the floor Rose kept them in it the bench was terrific second game in a row the bench has been absolutely terrific and that was the difference in the game. That combined with Trey Young spending way too much time on the bench. Now, if this is your first time chiming in, we're going to do these again. Friday after game, what, three? I get the games all mixed up, even though they've played two. It feels like 10 already. After game three, we're doing a live locker room right after the game. Tomorrow, we got New York, New York. Follow on Spotify, subscribe, download, all that good stuff. John underscore Jastrzemski on Twitter. Get the podcast wherever you get podcasts, preferably Spotify. Just saying. Just saying. Ian Begley from SNY is going to join us. And we'll get a little bit more into detail, not only with this Knicks, Nets, but some bad news for the Yankees with Kluber and Voigt. We'll do that tomorrow. A couple of double headers for the Yankees and the Mets. I got a day. Golf in the morning couple baseball doubleheaders 
Memorial Day weekend and Knicks are in the playoffs. This is a ton of fun. Follow the pod, New York, New York. Locker room. I'm telling you, we're going to get these going. And the next time we do this, I'm taking all the calls. Ethan was the MVP, but I'm going to have control of this bad boy. I would hope next time we do it. JJ out. Be good, everybody. Thank you.